together from the Spacebird Media Studios. It's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome to Friday or Friday as we normally like to call it with the <laughs> Friday happy dance. Hope you had a great, great weekend. June is officially here and most people are sweating buckets. My daughter messaged me this week and she goes, Daddy, it's 102. I'm like, you're in Michigan. What is going on? Go jump in the water. <laughs> Like, what is going it. on? Why is there know. a heat wave in Michigan? That's so strange. They had snow for too long. They had to finally get rid of it somehow. But uh, glad to be back with you. Thanks to our friends at My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group. You and I have not connected yet to talk about the grand finale of Ted Lasso. Oh, my goodness. The emotions up and down and all over. I, I love the character of Rebecca. I love what they did with her strength as a CEO, as a decision maker, as a leader. If you don't watch the show, she started out trying to trick her ex-husband into getting a loser coach that didn't know anything about soccer from America to come over to Great Britain where it's all the passion. And she expected him to lose. And he not only did he not lose, but he showed everybody what true character is all about by being humble, by raising up leaders, by really not caring about the win. He got the win in the end, but by allowing other people to see victories. And there's a lot of swearing on the show. So if you're sensitive to that, I don't want you to go to that and go, oh, Roxanne and they said to watch this because one of the characters, Roy, you know, has a favorite word. He does. Offensive. Yeah. But the richness of the characters and the storylines are very enjoyable. And yes, it messed me up. I mean, I laughed, I cried. How about you? I I was the same way. Like I didn't cry as much on the finale as I did the episodes leading up to it because I knew where it was going. But the character developments of people who were changing because of their relationship with Ted, because it was becoming more than just a team. It was a family and it was not about the wins. It was about are we playing our best? Are we doing our best? Are we leaning on each other to play our best game? And ultimately, if if you've coached sports at any time in your life or been coached, you know the great coaches that helped you with those nuggets that passed on into everyday life. It wasn't just about how well you were on the field. It was all of the things. So, uh, you know, cursing and, and, you know, expletives aside, it had those nuggets that you're like, I mean, there was one scene like two weeks ago that I was like, because eh, I love the show so much. I couldn't wait to watch it with my wife. So I would watch it the morning it dropped. And then I would watch it again with her because I loved it. Like just the characters are so ingrained into you. Like you see a little piece of yourself into all of these characters. And it just absolutely, it was the show that I don't think we knew we needed until it suddenly came into our lives. And it highlights flawed lives and big public failures and how we can come back from those real stories of redemption and forgiveness. And so for it to be over, I kept saying, it's not really over, over, is it? Right. But it, 
they they neatly wrapped up every storyline. So we left with that satisfaction. You know, sometimes things end strangely because it's artsy. Right. But in this, they give you all of the story wrap ups. So it, it was amazing. You know, Succession just ended some of the big series, the biggest of all times. Yeah. have come to an end. I guess every good thing comes to an end. So I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite finale? Like of all the shows you've watched in your lifetime, is there one that sticks out for you? The Sopranos. Oh yeah. And it is an artsy ending that many like books have been written about it. The commentaries are many, but it is so, it is such a piece of art and so masterfully done mm-hmm. that I, I don't think anything else compares. What do you think? Yeah, I would say for me, it's obviously the end of Friends because I had invested 10 years, you know, my college friends and I, every Thursday night, you know, must see TV, right? We were there from Friends to ER. So that was a big one. And then when Quantum Leap went off, like that was a big part of my childhood. So when it ended and it was only on for five seasons, Like you wanted to see him go home and for those not to spoil it, but for those who have seen it, you know, he's still technically leaping around and now they've rebooted the show and there's supposed to be a tie in, but we haven't seen Sam yet. So we'll see how that goes. But there are, there are certain shows that stick with you, man. Like it just, uh, I remember when the mash finale came, it was like, you know, like everybody felt that, you know, when, when the helicopter goes up and it said goodbye, spelled out in rocks and, you know, just like people for days were like, I can't even think about it. <laughs> but that's what I love, man. Good writing, especially with the writer strike going on right now. Great writing. We need to celebrate great writing because it makes you feel all the things like there are times Tawny and I'll be sitting and we'll watch a show. And if the writing's great. I'll look over at her and just like tears are coming down and we try. Okay. You're crying. Okay, good. I can let my emotions out here. You know, it's like we give each other the, the, the thumbs up in that moment. So, uh, you know, big props to Ted Lasso and the cast. I know that show will be missed. We'll see what happens. Uh, but don't forget as we get into the month of June shows have said goodbye, but we're only a couple of weeks away from father's day. So if you haven't let that set in yet, you know, if you're getting dad anything special or need to pick out the special card, because I feel like dad gets the bum rush of the day right before me. Mom probably does, too. But we we lead up into Mother's Day after Valentine's. There is just all of this sudden ah, and Father's Day is here. And then you get socks and a tie and a you know thing of Old Spice. But it's not this weekend. It's the next. And we, so don't panic. If, yeah. if this is dropping on Friday, you got a little bit more time. So, but that's a good reminder. Thank you. I I do believe dads get gypped, you know, I just do. So I would agree with you on that. We were talking about emotions and Proverbs 23, seven addresses that for as he thinks within himself. So is he, you know, James Allen did a famous book on this topic. Many people have written commentary on what we think is what we are. Yeah. And the devil Israel, by the way, and very much wants you to be in a negative mindset so that it clouds anything that God is telling you Mm -hmm. and so that you will be miserable. Now, I'm a big believer in feelings. Jesus felt he he wept. He had righteous anger. He felt things. We're given feelings for a reason, and we need to be allowed to process feelings and not swallow them and walk around feelingless. I'm not saying that, but when we allow our feelings to lead, a lot of times we get in trouble. Yeah. And so what we think about matters. And and 
I think we just need to ask ourselves, what are we thinking about, especially when we're feeling really terrible? Yeah. Well, and this verse actually came to mind to go do a throwback to the Ted Lasso finale. There's a scene where Roy Kent is looking at himself and he's like, you know, guys, he's talking with the other guys on the team. He's like, over the last year, I have tried to change and be better, but I, I feel like I'm still the same person. But a lot of times we forget that, you know, and of course, you know, there's not necessarily a faith angle from where Roy's coming from, but we all want to be better versions of ourselves. And so for us as believers, that change comes when we allow Christ to change from inside out. But I love the poignant moment of that scene as they're trying to console him a little bit to say, first of all, you're coming to us for help. So that shows change because a year ago you would not. But also asking for help in a community of friends also shows that you're a better person because it's not about being perfect or having perfect moments. It's a matter of leaning on each other. And then inside that community, greatness is encountered. You see yourself changing because the circle around you is better. I mean, think about this. You and I have talked about boundaries before. I mean, if the boundaries you've set with friends that are toxic in your life, that could also be what's keeping God from making those changes. So he wants to change us internally as it then also begins to change our external circle as well. And we're so hard on ourselves. It's encouraging to me that the Apostle Paul said, why do I keep thinking these things? Why do I keep doing these things yeah. that I don't want to do? Yeah. And that's where we lean on the Lord to help us, as you said, Ace, make those improvements and part of that process is by having great relationships because they make all the difference. Amen. Research showing that we're a reflection of the five people that we're closest to. Yeah. So think about that. It yeah. matters. Well, and some of those relationships could be in getting you into your perfect house, catching up with Turin from Birmingham Mortgage Group this week. Great to see that as we plan for the summer, because now's the time, right? School is out. You've started to think about where do we want to move? You know, the kids are in better schools or in a bigger house, so they have a better yard. Whatever it is that's got you primed and ready, Turin is ready to help you. Like whatever the program is to help you, he's going to do everything he can to build that relationship to get you in your dream home. He is super kind, conscientious prays with people, really, really loves the Lord and uses his business. It's an outreach. I mean, he's helped people whose financial situations look hopeless and he builds you to the point where you can get into that dream home. It is still a possibility. Don't let interest rates or anything else get in your way because he has special programs to help you. It's Birmingham Mortgage Group, 205-259-1656, Beham Mortgage. Com. Now, I know you and I are big on big nights out and making reservations is a big part of that. I love that as the summer kicks off, we're finding ways to help you. Appointment Trader is a new site that I would say the wealthy depend on because if there is a hot seat in a restaurant, a hot table that they want, you can pay hundreds of dollars to get that reservation that is impossible. There are a couple of restaurants in Birmingham where it's pretty impossible to get reservations. Yeah. But right now, 50% of the business from this website is coming from New York City, which makes sense because that's the restaurant Mecca. Not that we don't in Alabama have great restaurants right. because we do. Now, a lot of people are very upset about this. They feel like it's not fair that money shouldn't be able to buy you a reservation. And one yeah. guy even tried to sue saying, 
you can't do this. And they said, well, get a reservation and put it up for sale. That'll that'll solve that problem. (laughs) Well, I am finding, though, and I guess I don't know if the pandemic did this to me or just getting this way as I get older. And I'm okay regardless of how I got here. But going to places with reservations is much more my thing. I don't want to go in and find out that it's 45 minutes to an hour for a table. And then the place I had set in my mind that I want to go to doesn't have room for me. Like, I, I know that sounds very, you know, well, you're just full of yourself. Well, maybe kind of. And, I you know, I'll take that to Jesus. But at the same time, I want to be able to walk in with a table and, you know, spend time in conversation with great food. I don't want to be driving around going, well, there's a 30 minute wait here and 20 minutes here and an hour here. Just let me make my reservations, use the app and walk right in. Yeah, it's a lot of places won't take them, but they will a lot of times text you when they're ready. Yeah. And and that's good because then you can do something else and stay within vicinity and take advantage of a great deal. Yep. Well, this is something that I can't imagine you or I ever participating in, but I want to throw it out there because in Philadelphia in August, if we're in the mood, uh, us and 3,000 others can ride bikes nude. Yeah, I I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't have a problem being nude. I don't have a problem riding bikes, but putting the two together in a public setting Actually, moving at high velocities naked is just not my thing anyway. Well, and it's let's I don't want to get into mechanics or be gross, but really for both sexes, you know, that could cause harm. Uh, let, let me just throw sure. it out there. Uh, August 26th, they have not announced the route because they don't want huge traffic jams and people camping out three days ahead of time for the spectacle. So they don't let people know the route until the last minute because apparently people like to see others nude bike riding. Uh, a photograph of this is something I wish I could erase from <laughs> my mind. This photo. It's all- it's always people that really don't need to be nude that seem to be nude in public. We've talked about that before about, you know, nude beaches. One of the funny things about this is I said, why? There has to be a reason why. So they're biking to promote fuel conservation. So you can see that because when you're on a bike, you're mm-hmm. using your body fuel and positive body image. Okay. <laughs> Okay, but even though if even if I like the way I look naked, me on a bicycle is not attractive, you know, and especially if there's huffing and puffing. And then what's weirder, the people who are involved in the bicycling or the people who are standby watching and making sure you have, you know, hydration or they're videoing it for all of their friends to see. So I'm not sure which side of the coin you want to be on. Well, and you can't exactly post that. I mean. You can't post nudity the last time I checked. I don't think you can. No, here's and here's another. Thing. I I think they go so fast. Like I'm naked. I got to pedal as fast as I can. Nobody. <laughs> no. Did you see Ace? No, he was fast. <laughs> the other funny thing about this is you mentioned you know huffing and puffing. You know they had it where it wasn't warm enough, so they moved it to August because people were a little chilly. So people are committed to the cause as long as they're comfortable. Love it. That says everything. (sighs) Let's go from nude biking, shall we, to talking about genuine prayer and having it not be boring. Amen. You know, a lot of people, they go into prayer, and there's a big article and a lot of research on this, and it's like going into a big canyon 
oh Lord, speak to me. And then all you're getting is a reverberation or a stunning silence. And you wonder, does God really hear me? And then there's the thought of, well, God, if you're real, real, speak to me in an audible voice. Well, most people haven't heard. You haven't heard, have you, the audible voice of God? No. I mean, I know how he sounds in my heart and head when I'm talking or if I stop talking long enough to hear him. But the thing that I found, too, is when when I know I used to say, and I can't speak this for everyone, when I used to say, I wonder if God's hearing my prayers, it's also a matter of have I conditioned myself to the will of God? Because while prayer is, yes, to you know lay our hearts before the Lord, it's also to condition ourselves to be ready for what we're about to receive. And sometimes it may not happen at the speed we like, and it may not come at a time when we feel like we can do that. So I feel like we have to also be thinking about how prayer is seen from that perspective. Also think about the voice. The enemy is abrupt and persistent. The voice of God is subtle and wooing us, and there's an awe, and there's a peace, and there's a delight. Yeah. See the difference? And when it's our own voice speaking, a lot of times I, I have a big type A forceful personality, and I want what I want, and I tend to be impatient. So sure. I, I literally have said to the Lord, is this you or is this me? Because mm -hmm. I want this so much. Yeah. I want to be in your will and I want to make sure it's you. And he's very kind to tell me things sometimes more than once, which is a little bit embarrassing. You mean but like I, a toddler, you know, like, yeah, turn like, off the light, well, pick up your books. Me when I'm having a fit, it's sort of like, God's like, okay, mm -hmm. let it out. I'm over here when you want to, yeah. to talk to me. Yeah. And so I think it's also a key to prayer that's super important is not just babbling, which means, and, and I'm speaking for myself, I used to just run off with everything that I was feeling and not expect him to answer me. And it's a conversation when you expect an answer. Well, and being in a prayer environment, like, you know, I work with, you know, heavy Catholic organization. And in that, when we go around the table for staff meeting for prayers, I just always say special intentions because I a don't want to give my laundered heart out to the room, but also I'm kind of at that phase with God where I just thank him for what's coming and whatever he needs of me that day, he's going to provide. I've seen him give me the energy, the resources, the time to do the things that matter. And when inconveniences come my way, I take a step back and go, all right, God, I wasn't expecting this. What do you want me to do with this extra frustration, this time, this whatever? But again, all of it is learning how to trust in him for all those things. So I'm not telling you to change how you pray. If you read, you know, prayers or if you do rosaries or whatever it is that works for you in your faith, do those things because it's about a conversation with God so that you can hear him. And we're not, again, not talking about the audible voice. It's to give you the peace within your heart that where you are and where you're going is his will. And he does answer you. And he does hear you. But a lot of times we need to be receptive to that. And this may sound like, you know, a baby step. But after you keep a notebook and yeah. just write down the impressions yeah. until you get used to hearing his prompting. And and I, I think that's key when we're bored praying. I don't know what that's about. I think that's just reciting things to act like we're praying. I don't. What do you think? Well, I mean, when people I say I'm bored praying. 
I, I, I think there can be a routine, but I don't think it's so much that the prayers are boring. I think that we've allowed our faith to get stagnant so that it's we forget that it's not a conversation with God. We think that we it, it's he's not Santa Claus. You don't wake up in the morning, grab a cup of coffee, and then you're into your laundry list of Lord, please bless mom and dad and pops and da 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 da, and you know, give me my a better job and a bigger car and a better house and blah, 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 you, like stop. Like that's not what prayers are for. He knows the desires of your heart and gives them to you. His word tells us that. But even in that verse alone, it's not that you ask and he gives it to you. He actually has conditioned your heart for the things that he wants to bless you with. You got to remove yourself. And that's where prayer comes in is to hear from him of, Lord, just don't let me get in your way. Like if you say that much to him, you want to talk about your prayer life not being boring. I mean, have real honest conversations. That's why I love like recovery ministries that I've been involved in over the years is the rawness of those prayers of God. I got nothing but you. I have screwed it up and I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And when you get to that place, you realize the conversation you're having is so transparent that you are being changed. It's it's a fantastic place to be. Let him take you there. Ask him to change you and he will. Yep. He he is faithful to do that. One thing that would be fabulous for you to do if you have the time and the inclination is to log on to mybrotherscup.com. There's a beautiful blend of coffee called the Roxanne blend. Yes, it is named after me. I got to choose it. I'm super excited about it. I still can't believe it happened, but it did. And it is just delicious. Smells even better. And when you get this gift, it's packaged so beautifully. They've got coffee cups that go with them. Mm -hmm. And this sends missionaries around the world spreading the gospel of Jesus, a fabulous, fabulous gift. So thank you in advance for your purchase. Yeah, check it out, mybrotherscup.com. We're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Always love when we get a chance to spend our Fridays together, especially when it comes to our joy. We need to be what we call in our house the joy train. So if you're not on it yet, we're going to find ways to get you rooted in it this week. Well, our guest has a degree in biblical literature, is a popular speaker at retreats and conferences. And the perfect, perfect guide has happened. God has led her to write something where women can take this book on retreats, really soak up in what it's like to have joy. It's called Rooted Joy, one of her new books. She's also written How to Listen So People Will Talk. Isn't that great? I need to read that one. And the extraordinary power of praise. We welcome to the show, Becky Harling. Hi there. Hey, guys. It's <laughs> great to be with you. Well, we appreciate it. Of course, you know, Joy, I always say in our house, you know, if if whatever decision you're making robs you of your joy, it's too expensive. So <laughs> so, so how, how do we just keep our heads in a space where we're choosing joy? It's not about happiness but that joy train we talked about. Yeah. And so, you know, joy, the secret to joy is actually quite surprising because it's not about having more stuff, you know, the Tesla, the good car, all those things. It's really rooted in how deep your relationship is with Christ and how deep your relationship is with others. So our brains were wired for connection. And so if we don't have those deep connections, those deep friendships, we're not going to experience joy. 
I think it gets harder and harder in this frenzied time for us to have really close personal relationships. I think we let things get in the way. How do we nurture our relationships so that we can be strong in Christ and strong with each other? Yeah, that's a great question. We live in such a busy culture. And, you know, one of the things that I think was really profound that I believe Dallas Willard said first is that we are to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Because when we live in that constant sense of hurry, we don't have time for relationships. We don't have time to just be outside with our neighbor. We don't have time to have coffee with a friend, you know, because we're racing to the next thing. So I think first and foremost, we've got to dial back on the whole busyness thing and get back to what God's called us to, which is deep connections. Yeah. Well, and I know for a lot of people, you know, anxiety, depression, you know, we have more of an awareness of it today and that easily robs our joy. Speak to that because a lot of times people go, well, I can't find joy because you don't know what I've been through. And, and that's true. Maybe I do, or I don't, or I can relate, but how do, how do you penetrate those anxious and depressed moments? Yeah. And you know, the surgeon general just came out with a report. I don't know if you guys saw it like two weeks ago, um, that loneliness is now the new pandemic and loneliness feeds our anxiety. Loneliness feeds our depression. You know, I myself have been through a lot of childhood trauma, but I know that I know that I know that joy is possible because as I root myself in Christ and experience intimacy with him, and as I take initiative to be with people, not just on social media, not just, you know, on the phone all the time, but actually be with people, my joy increases. There's actually a chemical reaction in our brains that happens. You know, when you're with somebody and they look happy to see you, there's a chemical reaction in your brain and it triggers joy. Well, you, the book is called Rooted Joy. And I really love that as, as a person who is gardening for the very first time in my life. Uh-huh. Without good roots, the plant is in trouble. And the Bible has is always talking about harvesting. Why was it important for you to call the book Rooted Joy? Because I think a lot of people think of joy as something that comes and goes. But if it's not rooted in the right thing, it is going to come and go, right? And so I, I wanted to call it Rooted Joy because it it it's rooted in that deep intimacy with Christ and in strong connections with friends. And so there's really no way around that. You can't you can't live the life of joy that Jesus has intended for you if you don't have that strong relationship with Jesus and if you don't have strong friends that are you're living in community with. So then speak into that because I'm a firm believer you have those one or two really close ones. Maybe yeah. a third one that's, you know, you know, kind of rounds it out, gives you, you know, the foursome, fearsome, whatever you want to call yourself. <laughs> but but in a day and age when we're constantly about follows and how many times people are liking and hi- you know watching my lives and all that stuff, it it, cha- it it robs us of our joy because we put so much merit into that currency, which is really it's nothing. It, it's it's empty currency. So how do you how do you get there? when you know that the view of how we see that has changed so much. 
Yeah, we have to guard ourselves in that regard. I mean, even the Surgeon General's report, it's shocking. I don't know if you guys have read it, but the more time people spend on social media, the lonelier they are. So Mm. we've got to understand that first and foremost, and we've got to get off of social media long enough to cultivate those deep friendships. And two or three good friends is great, you know, because we need friends. I I like to ask women when I speak on this topic, who would you call in the middle of the night if there was an emergency, right? Who can you ask to pray when you're a hot mess in the morning, when you're just like sobbing because you're so fearful and discouraged? Who will you call? call. Because if you can't tell me three people, you're probably pretty lonely, you know? And so we need to invest. And that takes being vulnerable with each other. It does. It takes sharing some of our trouble. And for some of us, you mentioned childhood trauma. It can be difficult to do that. Some things I've buried and I don't want to visit again. Yet, if we don't share, then it's hard for people to reciprocate, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about childhood trauma is that secrets breed shame, right? And so when you actually are a little more honest about it, the shame is gone because you realize, okay, you know, this wasn't, you know, whatever happened to me, it wasn't my fault anyway, you know? And so you, you kind of diminish the shame with coming out with it, but there's also a deep connection. Now I will say you have to know who you can trust, right? I mean, you don't share your secrets with every human out there, but you learn who your people are and you get real with them. Well, and I found in my own conversations with friends or with my wife that a lot of times my joy was robbed because as I told those vulnerable stories, I was allowing it to hold me hostage because of shame, because I yeah. was in that place that every time I retold it, I was like, I just want to talk about this. You know, it's it's, it's not who I am anymore. But my yeah. wife pointed out, she's like, you're letting your joy be robbed by not letting me get to know you. And you need to let that guard down. So like you said, having those one or two people that you can trust that with is wonderful because then you can truly be your true self with those people. Yeah. And so, you know, in light of that, in this girlfriend gathering rooted joy, this is the first, by the way, of a series, um, you know, for girlfriends to gather and get real with each other. Right in the beginning, we have a box on girlfriend etiquette and keeping the space safe so that people actually can share from their hearts and be encouraged in the group without feeling like, you know, they're going to get a ton of unsolicited advice or somebody's going to share what they've shared with somebody outside the group. So there needs to be safety in your relationships. You address the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness being a temporary thing, like we Research shows you buy something new and it's fun for about three days. The new car smell wears off and then we've got candy wrappers all through the new car. (laughs) But joy resonates. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Can you touch on the differences? Yeah, I, you know, I am funny in that area because I don't draw too much of a difference between them because in the Old Testament, every time happiness is, every time blessed is used, it really means happy. So I do think God wants us to be happy. And certainly that is a part of joy. However, it's not fleeting. It is 
it's rooted in these deep relationships. We just, we've let go of the whole idea of connection in our culture and it's done a disservice to us because you really can't be happy or joyful without those deep connections. Well, and I also am kind of over the whole, you know, well, I wish I knew then what I know now. Well, the thing uh-huh. is you couldn't, like your veil wasn't lifted. <laughs> and if you tried to go back and relive that time, like you can't undo your awfulest moments because then you undo the wisdom. So it's all connected. The raveling occurs. And and that's the thing that I feel like as we find our joy in Christ, you're learning. And that's why I think when you, if I'm understanding the rooted joy is that you're rooting yourself in Christ so that your joy comes from him. Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing about the part of our brain where joy is triggered is that it can keep growing. So like, even if you didn't have secure connection in your childhood, or even if you didn't have great friends in your childhood, or you were bullied or whatever, right? It's never too late to start cultivating this joy life. You know, it just takes you taking a little initiative, reaching out to God and really getting to know Jesus, and then reaching out to other people. A great place to start is your local church. You know, if you're involved in church, you know, try this week, invite one friend and say, hey, let's get coffee or invite them into your home and say, let's share our stories, you know, because I want to know you. Every person out there is amazing to know. They all have an individual story. They're all complex and wonderful. And we need to rediscover the joy of just getting to know people. Some of my best relationships ever are a result of a small group. And that is a place of safety where you can go at our church. We have many of them and you can try one. And if it doesn't work, you could try another one. But that would be a big suggestion to have connection. And, And also, I think... For women, friendships can be particularly tough. For me, it's later in life. Now my connections with women are so rich and so full and so fun. But I had a period where I really couldn't connect very well. It was really very difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of the problem was really me being mm-hmm. too busy. Yeah, And like you said, it takes something off the calendar. You don't have to say yes to everything. Yeah, don't. (laughs) You know, I always think, okay, when you lay on your deathbed, um, okay, follow me here. I know this could sound a little morbid, but when you're laying on your deathbed, you're not going to think, oh, I wish I had been busier. I don't think anybody is ever going to think that, right? They're going to say, oh, I wish I had better relationships with my kids, or I wish I had better relationships with my neighbors or with my friends or whatever. So we've got to, you know, set the priorities straight now, Mm -hmm. you know, because we all have, we're still alive. And that means (laughs) that we can cultivate this now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is a remarkable book and it's a treasure and I know everybody's going to love it. How can people, Becky Harling, best connect with you and find out more about Rooted Joy? So first and foremost, I love to have people come to my website. I send out a devotional every Monday morning. It lands in your inbox. It's just to encourage you throughout the week. I have a bunch of free gifts up there. So connect with me on my website. You know, I am on social media, um, limited. 
And but the best place to get the book is really through Iron Stream Media, because if you order it through them, there are four free videos that go along with this study that are each 10 minutes that I filmed in my own house with some of my friends. Uh, and so it was a whole lot of fun, you know, so I would encourage you to order the book there. And, you know, we're in summer or we're headed into summer. Summer's a great time for this study, because a lot of times you know, community Bible study, BSF, some of these bigger Bible study uh, groups take a break over the summer. But this is fabulous to just gather with a small group of friends and figure out how to get more joy in your life. Amen. <laughs> Becky Who Harling doesn't has want been that? Our... <laughs> right. Sure. I'm signing up right now. Uh, <laughs> right. Becky Harling has been our guest. And again, BeckyHarling.com if you want to find out more. Becky, thanks so much for your insights. And we look forward to having you back. Hey, thanks. I look forward to coming back. Great to be with you. Uh, get ready to wind things down. We want to make sure that especially if you are in the dating scene right now, what are some of the tips and tricks that can help to deepen your dating life so you're getting value in the dates? Dude, you're off the dating market, but this describes you perfectly. No wonder you got scooped up so quickly. And for a while there, I was like your dating screener. I mean, people would like, they'd be like, ooh, who is that? What's his story? I'd be like, down, back. That book is too thick. Nobody's reading it. <laughs> so dating tricks that will have women and the headline says falling at your feet. So listen to this dress up it is number one and dude you're looking fine today let me just tell you you don't just slap on a dirty t-shirt that's been under the bed for two weeks i mean you no. normally have a gorgeous jacket on you do today thank you i mean i mean here's the thing you get to that place like i i hang up my t-shirts <laughs> like my wife and i have the joke she's like why did mine go in the drawer but you hang yours up i was like because mine say something. I was like, you wear yours around the house. Like you don't leave the house in t-shirts. I do. She's like, okay, well that makes sense. Just make sure you put them in the t-shirt drawer so I can find them. Yeah, that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation. But I think the thing is once you take, once you have the confidence in who you are and whose you are, you, you, your appearance, you allow yourself to dress up so that your date is quality. Have a passion. I think that's super important. Yours is music. It's wonderful to sit across from a man who is really into something, whether it be music or art yeah. or whatever it is, you know, a, a hobby, strength training, whatever it is. Yeah. It's interesting. Walk with confidence. Denzel Washington. I don't know if you've ever watched him walk in a movie, but I wait to watch Denzel walk. There is no confidence like that. Mm -hmm. And to see a man walk with confidence to me is hot. Well, I mean, it, it, it it's what they call swagger. If you walk with a little <laughs> swagger, she might notice you. And that's why I love like hearing stories from people that are like, it took him a whole week or a whole month to call me back. You know, it's like, well, I think you should take a little delight in that, that he's not, th you know, throwing you to the side, but he wants to present himself in a great manner. I mean, that's good stuff. Just don't wait a month like Wayne did. One yeah. whole month, I was like, whoa, dude. Okay, yeah. be positive. I think that really matters. Have a sense of humor. If you're funny, wow, you'll have a lasting impact. Be social and be busy. Yeah. Don't let your world be caught up in that new person that you're talking to. Yeah. Have your world be expansive. 
So you don't come across as needy. No, because they will not call you back. I will tell you (laughs) as someone who didn't call and wasn't called, that's how it goes. We appreciate you hanging out with us each and every week. Thanks again. Share, like, follow, and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks, as always, to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group for making this possible. And find us on Facebook so you can see what AI thinks we look like. They had all kinds AI of... AI thinks I'm really overdeveloped on top. I Clearly. saw some of I those. Mean... I was like, wow, we need a little cover or something, a bib or... I mean, what? We'll just let people decide for themselves. Have a great weekend. Roxanne, I love you. I love you too, honey. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneandAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.